Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. How many of you love the idea of love? Anyone love the idea of love? All right, right? Some of you, seriously? How many of you love love, right? You have a loving God who gave his life for you. How many of you love love? Come on, everyone raise your hand. Please throw me a little bone here. Seriously, even though you're the 9 a.m. service, come on. I'll go all Nick Saban on you, Alabama football coach, if you want me to this morning. But how many of us love love? How many of us love falling in love? How many of us remember our first love? Anyone remember our first love? Anyone remember your first kiss, right? Sixth grade, Brookside School, playground. Oh, sorry, that was mine, right? How many of us remember that first time? What about that time when you, when you met that, the significant one that you were going to spend the rest of your life with. Come here, honey bun. Come on, let's wake up the service. She, she is the love of my life. Any, anyone that I try to find love in, it was all wrapped up in her. I you love you. You kissed somebody in sixth grade? Sixth grade, I kissed someone. Yes, I won't say her name. That would be weird because someone may know her. But it's, <laughs> but it's interesting. You know her too. But it's interesting because when you fall in love, there's so many firsts, Right? The first moment, the first holding of hands, the first kiss, the, the first game that you played with one another to see how much you really liked one another. I remember when Sue and I began to really get to know one another, the Ridgewood Duck Pond was when it all started, the two and a half hour walk. And there's so many firsts. And right now, if you're with your spouse, you probably want to wrap your arm around them and get all huggy, and that's okay, right? There you go, Bill, good job. But there's so many firsts. And that first year is amazing. The second year, next thing you know, you get engaged and, and you figured it all out, right? You figured it all out. No one needs to tell you anything. The premarital counseling is kind of like a stamp of approval, right? We did it because it's the right thing. And, and Sue and I go, oh, these couples are in trouble. But, but it's one of those things. Then all of a sudden you get married and you have a couple of amazing years. They call them the what years? What are they called? Honeymoon years, right? The honeymoon years, right? Because your partner can do nothing wrong, right? Who cares if the guy you know, keeps his seat up all night long, right? Who cares if he tries to share your toothbrush? Who cares if he doesn't clean up the dishes, right? All these things, some of you are like, but let me promise you, when you first got married, you really didn't think about these things. But then all of a sudden, something happens. Time goes by. Space goes by. And the really, really cute things, can I get an amen? 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 And the really cute things, Deb, you've only been married for a couple years. That was a little too soon. The little few cute things become great annoyances. And you're like, who did I fall in love with? What, <laughs> what did I do? You shouldn't say that. That's a counseling appointment. And, right, and then you, all of a sudden you get all wrapped up. And all of a sudden you become complacent. And all of a sudden, the idea of being in love and loving someone is like two different things. Well, I love the person, and you'll hear some people say, but I'm not in love with them. Talk about hurtful words. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. 
And there are stages in relationship that we see that are extremely dangerous. And there'll be times where we will meet with couples and we will counsel couples and, and it's not like anything big has happened. It's all the little things that have happened that have caused a couple to be pulled apart. And they start contemplating, what are we going to do? No one's done the, the unforgivable, the affair. No one's done anything like that. But they're really contemplating, what do we do? And, and I think it's in that stage right there that it's the most dangerous part of the relationship. Even more dangerous than when the relationship may come to an end. It's that stage where you just go nominal. Now, why am I bringing this up? We have been studying revival throughout scripture all summer long. We have seen people get baptized. We have seen exciting, we've heard exciting life stories. We have heard people celebrate their faith. We had one family from our church do a reverse missions trip where they brought people from another part of the country to the church for a week to spend with us. And we've been seeing all these great things going on in people's lives. But I think there's something very dangerous going on that we forget about that we need to address if we're going to really talk about revival. It's interesting when you look at scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God uses the image of marriage as the most significant relationship of all. In the Old Testament, it's God and the people of Israel. In the New Testament, it's Christ and the church. Marriage, a living, breathing relationship. And if we, any of us, including Sue and I, can get stale in our relationship, is it possible for you and I to get stale in our relationship with Christ? Has anyone ever been there? Has anyone ever been there? Here's what we're going to do, because next week we're going to wrap up our revival series. And we're going to wrap it up with a bang. But I really believe that before we wrap it up today, this Sunday, we need to talk about the importance of returning to revival. Returning to your first love. And I really believe that in this service and in the second service, and what's going on online, that there's not only people that need to be drawn back to the relationship to Jesus, but they need to be drawn back to the relationship with one another. Amen? So I want to just pray again. And I want the Holy Spirit to do something special today. And why do I say that? Because when we filmed this a couple weeks ago, Andrew said that when I was filming, he literally got on his face in the other room and just said, this was the message the church needs to hear. Not just the plants, but the church in general. We need to return to our first love. So Holy Spirit, I ask you, I ask you for a, a fresh anointing, not only for today, but for really the, our new normal, what's going to happen in the next year. God, I want to be more in love with you and more on fire for you than I've ever been in my life. And God, I want to do that for the same for our church. I want to love these people like I've never loved people before. I want to love my wife like I've never loved her before. And I ask you for a fresh wind, a 
fresh working of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 2. In Revelations, John has an encounter with Jesus where Jesus tells him about the end of the world. How many of us like reading the book of Revelations, right? Some of us love it. Some of us are freaked out by it. Some of us are terrified that the world will end one day. Anyone terrified by that? Anyone, right? That it's going to come to an end. But the beauty is, is that when it comes to an end, we are in eternity with Jesus if we are in Christ. So we should never fear it. But yet it is spooky. But in the very beginning, Jesus tells John to write seven letters to seven different churches. And the first one he writes to is the church of Ephesus. He writes this, this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Stop right there. There are seven churches that Jesus addresses in Revelations. And as we talk about revival, Pastor Jeremy had said, let's talk about the church that most resembles us. We do not look like the church of Corinth because the church of Corinth was a living nightmare. Amen? If you've ever read the Corinthians, it is a living nightmare. If I was pastoring the church of Corinth, sayonara, I am out of here. There is no way I would pastor a church like that. But there's something about Ephesus that both Jeremy and I have said we resemble it so much. Jesus loved the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was thriving constantly. In Acts chapter 19, that's when Paul went to Ephesus and he shared the gospel message. And a quarter of the city came to Christ. The city was 500,000 people. And a quarter of the whole city came to Jesus. 125,000 people came to faith. How cool would it be right now in Mawa, there's almost 28,000 people, if a quarter of the people came to Jesus? How awesome is that? That's my prayer. Think about your town. Think about your town. Someone call out their town's name. Call out your town's name. Allendale, okay? About almost 7,000, about 6,700 people. What's another town? Ramsey, bigger than that, probably 12 to 15,000. What else? Anyone else? Where? Milburn? Okay. Hilburn, I have no, no idea how many people live there. How many people about live in Hilburn? Wow, it's small. Wow, very small. Okay, what else? What's another town? Ringwood, Ringwood. okay. Ringwood's bigger, right? And, and think about that. In your town, if a quarter of your town came to Jesus, that means everyone in that community will be touched by the gospel in some way. Whether they accept it or reject it, at some point in a year, they will be influenced by someone who's a follower of Jesus. How awesome is that? Amen? Right? Amen? That's what the church should be. That's what happened in Ephesus. People were healed. People were delivered. People came to salvation. Marriages were healed. People were restored. It's a story of the whole idea of the witchcraft, where there's so much witchcraft in this, in the, in this city that when, when people came to Christ, they took all their books and they made a big bonfire, and they burnt all the books up, and over a million dollars worth of books were burned. They didn't sell them on eBay. They didn't want anyone to touch them, because they knew the danger of those books. And so you see this idea that when you look at the book of Ephesians, Paul just celebrates the church. Hey, you're doing some awesome things. 
You're present in the community. You're sharing the gospel. You're doing everything that you are supposed to do naturally. Naturally. I went to lunch with a guy who I went to high school with. I haven't seen him in over 30 years. 30 years. And because I did a funeral, I, I caught up with him and said, let's grab lunch. And we got lunch. And he, and he started sharing me with how his dad became one of those born-againers, right? One of those born-againers. I'm like, yeah, I'm one of them. He's like, huh? What just happened? Can I have the check, please? Right? No, hey, I'm excited. I've been following Jesus since I'm 19. I'm thinking, God, can I share my hope with him? Will you open the door? And there's an excitement when you come to faith, when you, when you literally follow Jesus and you fall in love with Jesus. And that was the whole city of Ephesus. You either accepted it or rejected it, but everybody was touched by the gospel in some way. It's an amazing, amazing narrative. But when you look at Revelations 2, this is what Jesus says. I know all the things you do. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. In other words, I see you as a church thriving and striving. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have ex ex examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. And Jesus says, hey, church of Ephesus, I've seen you. I've seen all you've done. I've seen how you've planted missional communities all over the city. I've seen how you guys have been part of the school board. I've seen how you guys have been part of the community. I've seen how, you've, how your businesses are not only to, to really feed your families, but take care of others. We see how you send out missionaries. We see how you want to plant churches in other cities and villages and towns around. And Jesus is like, I see all your hard work and how you don't tolerate the things that this world does. And in this little snippet, Jesus reminds the church of Ephesus of who they are. And he celebrates them. Plant family, 10 years ago, Hurricane Irene hit. Plant family, I believe it was nine years ago, Hurricane Sandy hit. Plant family this past year, COVID hit. And plant family, we have no idea what's going to hit this year. But I celebrate you. That no matter what has come our way, we have stood the test of time. We planted a church in the recession. And God has caused us to thrive. We planted a church with a small group of people and it got smaller. And God did exactly what we prayed for. For the majority of the people in our church come to faith in Jesus. Amen? Plant family, you have done it. And for that, I need to give you a hand. Yes, you can clap. Yes. Oh, 9 a.m., please wake up. Thank you, Deb. We have seen young adults come to Christ. We have seen stories of healing and deliverance like, like you read in the New Testament. We've seen it. We've seen it. And we practice it. Any given week, we can see a deliverance here at the church. Yes, we see people who have demons cast out of them. Well, I didn't know you did that. Well, we do. We have seen people's lives be transformed. Would you agree? 
so I celebrate you. But there's something that I see in this passage that Jesus warns the church of Ephesus with. That I believe every church needs to have a warning to. How many of you have felt stale during COVID? How many of you are on fire for Jesus like you've never been on fire before during COVID? How many of you just don't like raising your hands because I ask you to raise your hands? Thank you. You guys are all a bunch of little babies. <laughs> but, but think about it. Think about it. If I was to really ask you, where are you now compared to when you first fell in love with Christ? Would you say, I'm more on fire than ever? I'm running harder than I ever have? I'm more engaged with the people around me? I'm doing the same things that when it was like I first came to Jesus and fell in love with him. But watch what Jesus says. But I have this complaint against you. And it's interesting. It's not many complaints. It's it's one. And I don't want to say that I have this complaint. I have this concern for our church and for churches throughout the world. You don't love me, not Pastor Rob, but Jesus, or each other as you did at first. Jesus says, I see one thing in the church of Ephesus that that I believe is a warning for us all. We don't love Jesus like we first did, nor do we love each other as we once did. Look at the cross. Vertical, horizontal. The gospel is wrapped up not only in our love for Jesus, but our love for one another. And Jesus says, you've done so many good things. You're great at going through the motions. But have you fallen out of love with me? And the truth is, the church of Ephesus was falling out of love with Jesus. Something caused them to be jaded. Something caused them to be jaded. And I think oftentimes that churches aren't very transparent and honest about what's really going on in the hearts of the people. My question would be is, how can we not be jaded in such a world that has gone so wrong? How can we not be jaded at some point in any relationship we are in? Do I get an amen for that? I can honestly say that my wife and I have probably the most amazing relationship that I've ever seen on the face of the earth. But we have worked so, so hard at it. And there was a season in our marriage, and I've shared this before, where we were both jaded with one another. And we both contemplated as a young couple, is this worth it? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you felt the same way. And there came a a come-to-Jesus moment that we had to come to. So let me ask you, are you spiritually jaded right now? Are you spiritually jaded in your relationship with God? Or let me say better said, have you ever been jaded in your relationship with God? Maybe something happened with someone where you were offended 
or taken advantage of? Don't raise your hand. Maybe COVID has caused frustration and exhaustion. The truth is, COVID's caused frustration and exhaustion for all of us, including Pastor Rob. Don't you think I've contemplated my vocation during this whole COVID experience? Do you think I really want to go back to masks, no masks, seats seated far apart, taking the phone calls that I don't want to take? Same conversation over and over and over again. What about the political climate? Did the political climate throw water on your spiritual fervor? I think the thing that I love about the plant the most is that we are, we are politically diverse. Someone said, well, tell me about the political climate of your church. In other words, whether or not that's going to choose whether they come to our church or not. Are we a Republican church or Democrat church? Because that will determine who we are. Well, let me tell you this plant family. I say this. We have a group that are Republicans. We have a group that are Democrats. And all the independents sit in the balcony. <laughs> right? And that's the thing that I love about our church. The diversity. Because we're all one church under Christ. But let me ask you a harder question. Are you spiritually jaded because I know this happens with a lot of people because God has not answered that one heart prayer that you have begged him for? Do you feel like God has failed you? And so even though you gave your life to Jesus, there's still this, like, you know what, I've given him 100% before, but I'm about 70% right now because he didn't answer the prayer the way that I wanted it to. Hey, you'll still be a connector. You may even sign up to work in the nursery. But at the end of the day, none of that matters. Have you fallen out of love with your church community? Your life group, your missional community, someone, someone kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Someone said something. Someone jaded you and you said, you know what, I, I've done this church thing before. I've done the group thing. I've done the serving team. Yeah, I love Jesus, but the people are, are okay. Are okay. And here's the problem. It's just like Marriage. When you open the door to allow yourself to be spiritually jaded, you allow the enemy to creep in. And you allow old patterns to start being prevalent. And you start thinking and behaving as you once did. And you take this massive long journey and you see how much God has done. And because something has occurred, you start looking like the old self yet you have this conviction called the Holy Spirit in you saying, that's not who you are. This has happened to me. This has happened to me. And I believe the enemy has thrown this at me multiple times throughout my journey of faith. I grew up in a Christian home. I saw the political garbage of church. I saw the hypocrisy of church. I actually told my mom one time, you want to hear what I told my mom, my mom one time? And I'll tell you what I told her. I said, I'd rather go to hell with my friends than heaven with yours. I was so wounded and jaded by what I would call the hypocrisy of the church. 
And it's like the moment I gave my life to Jesus, it seemed like the only people that frustrated me were Christians. Do I get an amen? uh, Yeah, he gave me a yeah. (laughs) But yet, have I done the same thing to other people? Because we are human. And in our brokenness and in our humanness, we hurt and offend one another just like we do in a family structure relationship. Jesus says, have you stopped loving me and each other as you once did? I almost left the ministry because of how jaded I was years ago. Years ago. Years ago. And I'll be honest with you, as I watch people during during this COVID season, the enemy has wanted me to fall back into old patterns. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give all my body over to, to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's only one call in this Christian life. Love. To love God and love one another. To love Jesus and to love his church. When we're singing that third song, it talks about from the moment of breakthrough. I've never been the same. Your love took me captive. It was November 4th, 1991, where there was a moment of breakthrough, and the love of Jesus took me captive. What God has shown me is that it's not only how I love him and how I stay in love and fall in love with him, it's how I love you and you love one another. Because we are the reflection of Jesus to the world. Do you remember how he rescued you, forgave you, gave you a new identity, and how he has empowered you? You are no longer who you used to be. You are a new person in Christ that doesn't have to live jaded and frustrated, but because of Jesus, in Jesus, the love of God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit can fill you continually all the days of your life. When the enemy wants to creep in and cause you to be jaded, you have the power and the authority to squash it. Jesus is telling the church at Ephesus, remember your love for him and your love for each other. I know we've had a lot of people checking out the plant over the past year. A lot of people. And they're coming with church baggage. Anyone have church baggage? Some have a U-Haul, some have a suitcase, some have a backpack. That's why you left your church. Are you so jaded that you've fallen out of love with the power and the presence of what the church is supposed to be?
Because now God is saying, stop, stop, stop. Remember. Remember that first group you were a part of. Remember those, those first Christian friends you had. Remember when those, those guys came along you and pulled you out of the pit. Now God wants you to be part of other people's lives to pull them out of the pits. Remember as a couple, you went to a couple's marriage group, and all of a sudden you started getting healing and life and transformation. You're supposed to be that healing and that life and transformation for another couple. Remember. Remember. Jesus says, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Make space for Jesus. During vacation, I had to make space for Jesus because I was spiritually jaded and exhausted. I will come and remove, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. See, what had happened was that the church fell, fell so far back that their influence was dying out. Their presence in the community was dying out. And that light that once that was so bright and loud was slowly, slowly dying out because they were jaded. They were jaded with Jesus not doing everything they wanted him to do. And they were jaded with one another. And all of a sudden their light got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And Jesus said, you got to stop or it's going out. And he uses the illustration of the lampstand. What gives the lamp the light? It's the oil. It's the imagery of the Holy Spirit. We are the stand. The thing that lights us up is the presence of God in us that lives and caused that to burn bright. If we continue to live these jaded lives, if we allow the culture around us, if we allow other people's temperaments around us, to determine our spiritual fervor, you will lose that joy that you once had. And it'll always be the good old days, just like remembering your first love when you were first married and you went on your first five vacations together. Because every vacation after that, after that was a living nightmare. And don't blame it on the kids. The lampstand. Your testimony. Do you believe that God is the one who positioned you or you've positioned yourself? Who does the positioning? Who does the hand of, of leading and guiding? Who is the one who opens and shuts doors for you to walk through? It's God. And if you choose to allow this world to cause you to be spiritually jaded, you will lose that lampstand and the opportunity for God to open more and more doors for you to continue to do the things that God has called you by name to do. It's just like marriage. Do you know this is the first summer in the history of ministry that I've dealt with more marriage situations in August than ever before because everyone was waiting till September. In the past, everybody waited till September. 
This is the first August in the history of 20-something years of ministry that I've dealt with more marriage issues than in the history of my ministry. Everyone just faked it until September. But people are jaded. They're jaded. They're tired. They're ready to give up. And couples don't realize this. If you, if you choose, if you choose to walk away, there will be spiritual generational consequences. Churches, if you choose to fall out of love with Jesus, there will be spiritual generational consequences. Is it possible now that Jesus is saying, stand up, church. Revival's coming. Is it possible, church, that, church, that your kids are at home saying, now more than ever, I need mommy and daddy to love one another so that I can trust in the living God to lead me to salvation and guide me like he guides them? Church. Church. Do not allow the enemy to steal the oil of your lamp. Because it will not go back to normal. It will go back to hell. But Jesus says this, but you have this in your favor. Hey, time out. This is not a negative message. Wow, Pastor Rob's being really hard. Matter of fact, this is my life message. Because I see how the enemy const wants to constantly derail me. I see that. I see that I am a moving target. I am a moving target. He says, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I did. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. God says this, but this is what you have in your favor. You deep down love me and you love one another. Can I get an amen? Amen. You have this in your favor. You're here today. You're here today. Some of you wanted to be here. Some of you were dragged here. Some of you were here because you had to serve as a connector. But you're here today. Is it possible that I'm here today because I had to preach? But we're here and we're claiming that in the midst of everything going on in this broken, jaded world, that we have this in our favor, that we keep showing up in hopes that the Spirit of God will do something bigger than we ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. Amen? Parents, your kids need to see your spiritual fervor now more than ever. Because when the times get tough, they can't see that you give up. My prayer is that every young person in this church will look back and see their parents thrive during this situation and said, I'm following Jesus because of them. Because of them. Do not cause grave spiritual consequences on your children because you are spiritually jaded. Holy Spirit saying, wake up. Wake up. And the truth is, we all are susceptible to this. Do I get an amen? Including Pastor Rob. This is what King David said in the midst of his 
jadedness. And for him, his stupidity. Because his jadedness led him down a really bad path. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your lampstand from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Have you lost your love for Jesus? That, 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 that in love, that in love. Hey, honey bun, I love you more now than ever. I love you. I'm in love with you. Can you say that about Jesus? Hey, plant family, whether you're your first-time visitors or whether you've been here a long time, I love you. I'm in it. Are you in love with Jesus and are you in love with the church? Are you in love with one another? Do you actually believe that, that the same reason why Jesus rescued you and brought you to a healing community is the same reason why you're sitting here today? Are you in love with Jesus? Because if you're not, today you just need to say, God, I need to do two things. One, I need you to forgive me. And maybe I need to forgive someone else. Maybe there's someone in this room that needs to forgive someone. Maybe there's someone in this room that needs to go to someone else and say, can you please forgive me? I've jaded you. I've wronged you. I've hurt you. That's the gospel. Giving and receiving forgiveness. Couples. Is this message a wake-up call to say it's time to fall back in love? I will do everything it takes to fall back in love with my spouse. Yes. I will start dating my spouse again. Yes, I will start making them a priority. Plant families, a time to re-engage in church like you've never done before. I will start engaging with people's lives because they want to engage in my life as well. But most importantly, Jesus, I need to re-engage with you first and foremost. Holy Spirit, I know I have permission to preach these messages because you have been dealing with me throughout my journey of being spiritually jaded by others and spiritually jaded by, by you at times, unanswered prayers, yet your timing is always perfect. Holy Spirit, kingdom come. I ask you for just a fresh presence of you right now during worship. And plant family, this is what you have in your favor. You do love Jesus. And you do have a heart for one another. Come, Holy Spirit. It was great having you with us today. 
We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.